good scent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents, boys and girls. I am so happy you are here. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody. Uh, this is a show where we do a whole lot of things, but I talk about uh, liberty, freedom, peace, consent. I talk a lot about Bitcoin and how it fits into all this kind of stuff. Liberty, uh, libertarian ideas. Uh, and we are just going to kind of have an episode that is somewhat executive centric uh, today. And I mean that in in a way that... I, I think a lot of people have been asking me in, in the back of my brain, at least, like, hey, this this Bitcoin stuff, like, what happens if X? What happens if Y? What happens if whatever? And I'm going to answer a couple of those questions today for a lot of people. But I want you to see the impetus of why I answer the questions the way I do. It, you know, it's, it's just something that has to be done. So uh, welcome to Radical. And um, I am going to start out with a couple of announcements. On May 13th in Cherokee Pines, Georgia, uh, Perry, Georgia, that is, uh, at Cherokee Pines, I will be speaking at the Great Create. going to be hanging out there. Uh, it is the Great Create is the Libertarian uh, Convention this year. Uh, it is going to be on the 12th. 13th and 14th. You guys are all welcome to come down to Perry, Georgia, Cherokee Pines. Uh, I'll be speaking down there. There is going to be a lot of things going on. So they're they're skill-centric this year. They're, they want to teach people how to do some things. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Bitcoin. There's going to be self-defense, tiny houses, uh, community gardening, uh, activism, dairy farming, mushrooms, homeschooling, microgreens, uh, beer brewing, community exchange systems, cheese making, alternative education, seed swap, film festival, music, comedy, philosophy, board games, art, first aid, parallel institutions, beekeeping, bushcraft, community building, and vendors. Uh, some of the people that are going to be down there uh, besides myself, John Mons will be uh, speaking as well. Great speaker. You've got, uh, I think, Adam Nutter is coming in. He's a, he's a funny guy out of Pennsylvania, a great comedian. Uh, you've also got, uh, let's see, Reed Coverdale is coming into town as well. So, uh, you know, I don't, don't want to miss anybody else out there. Will Bergen, Dave Miller, uh, Kristen Hammock, Seth Chadwick, Edgar Mills, King Randall, and Matt Carter, Hutch Erber, Emily Heath, and the Bib City Ramblers will also be there. Again, it's May 12th through the 14th down at Cherokee Pines. Going to be a lot of good times, I think. And uh, you can go check it out and get tickets at thegreatcreate.org. Uh, Zach, that one's for you, brother. Anyway, thank you guys for for inviting me out to that. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come and hang out with liberty-minded people, first and foremost. So, so uh, today... Uh, other announcements. Uh, if you love the show, um, you can go and support it through Cash App at uh, my cash uh, tag is Shane Hazel. Uh, just send whether it's Bitcoin or fiat. I will turn the dirty ass fiat into Bitcoin over there. Uh, but I appreciate everybody who does that. That's the only way to support the show other than sharing it liking it, telling your friends about it, all that fun stuff. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, if you are interested in Bitcoin and you want to learn Bitcoin, there is now a service that I'm running for people. Uh, we've got lots of people signing up and I, man, I am 
I'm sh- like I'm a, I'm a little shocked at how early and how little you know advertisement I've done for this uh, that we've got you know people coming in and asking you know for for help with all this kind of stuff. So this is uh, the Bitcoin Maximalist. You can find it at radicalpod.com under the Bitcoin Maximalist uh, tab. And I'm working on gear for all this kind of stuff too. Like I, I am. I am busier than I've probably ever been. Uh, and at the same time, more excited and passionate about where I'm going, where the show is going, where the Bitcoin Maximalist is going, and where Brave is going. So um, Brave is the the post-traumatic stress and uh, the mission that I've started. If you want to support that right now, you, the best thing to do is just to support the show. But that is all being worked out. Uh, 501c3 stuff is slow. So at any rate, let's get into today's show a little bit. Um, I think the biggest news that I've seen, uh, is, which relates to what I wanted to talk about today, is Biden has signed a executive order enforcing social justice credit scores. And I'm going to go through this article uh, a little bit at a time here because I think it it's going to be, I, I think you guys are going to be very receptive to it. First and foremost, so this is uh, from trendingpoliticsnews.com, and it says Joe Biden has recently signed an executive order that could potentially affect millions of Americans in the name of environmental justice. The order is an attempt to further strengthen federal agencies and aims to address so-called environmental inequalities that impact communities of color, low-income communities, and indigenous communities. This, ladies and gents, is a giant setup for strengthening the federal government. This this is and and and, and they've they've just spelled out, you know, here in foremost, who are they coming after? Who do they need to insert themselves into even more to ravage their communities? This is this is what they did with the war on drugs. They said, you know what, we've got to go in. The war on drugs is destroying our inner cities and things like that. And what did they do? They took over inner cities. They took over those places. They they demonized the fathers. They they broke up families. You know when the the, the war on poverty like that. The, it was just one of those things where. When the government inserts itself for you know to to help out these these low income communities, indigenous communities, or color communities, they are telling you who their target is and who they're coming after to fleece even more. Um, this this is this is where it's all heading. In the fact that you know we had uh, the communications czars, you know the, the the Ministry of Truth that got absolutely shut down first thing last year, and now they're just coming back and saying, yeah, you know what, uh, social credit scores are here. I'm signing the executive order, and we're going to do it under the environmental injustice. So it goes on under the new executive order titled "Revitalizing Our Nation's Commitment to Environmental Justice for All." Agencies are directed to consider measures to address and prevent disproportionate disproportionate and adverse environmental and health impacts on communities, including the cumulative impacts of pollution and other burdens like climate change. Oh, I've talked about this in another show. Very quickly, t- high level is the... <sighs> What, what we have right now, this environmental change, climate change, pollution, like all this nonsense, 
the problem is right now that the petrodollar is no longer going to be the petrodollar. It's 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 evaporating. That's the only thing that gave the the government any backing in terms of what the dollar was. The dollar is just paper. So if they were able to buy petrol with it energy, then they had some power. And petrol obviously flows down to everything. It's it, you you start spiking, you know the the barrel uh, price of a you know, a, a petrol, then what you're going to get is h- higher prices on everything else because everything depends on energy. Everything depends on transportation. Uh, and, and so when you see this, you're sitting here going, all right, they can't buy petrol anymore. This is fiat induced. This is why Bitcoin is very, very important. If you have a fiat induced energy crisis where you can't buy petrol that your dollar depends on, then what do you have to do? You have to make energy the bad guy. You have to make energy the bat this this demon this fictional nonsense to where you do things like this. You talk about over you know over impact of pollution. You talk about climate change. <laughs> like climate change is just a natural phenomenon. It's happened as long as there's been an Earth, honestly. So um, this is everything under the sun, and when it's everything, it's also nothing, but it's also a power grab. So as the dollar crashes, you're going to see more and more and more power grabs like this and more and more of this storytelling because it can't buy energy anymore. What's amazing is Bitcoin is not only creating energy, but it's creating cleaner energy and it's creating energy where we've never created energy before. That's what these guys are absolutely scared to death of right now. Uh, let's see. The order also requires agencies to notify nearby communities in the event of a release of toxic substances from a federal facility and hold public meetings to share information on the resulting health risk as necessary precautions. The White House statement says that Biden hopes to conduct new assessments of their environmental justice efforts to develop, implement, and periodically update an environmental justice strategic plan. As if we weren't broke enough. Now, this harebrained idea of an environmental justice justice strategic plan. Let me let me let me give you some environmental justice strategic planning. If they were really 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 concerned about the environment, you know what we wouldn't be doing? We wouldn't be living in cities. We wouldn't be living in in high density population type of areas. We would be more of an agrarian type society. We wouldn't be using things like Monsanto. We wouldn't be using uh, their Roundup. We wouldn't be using any of that kind of stuff. We would be living much more in balanced lives. Do you know who does this? Do you know who is really pushing this kind of culture, including myself, of homesteading and living with balance with nature? Bitcoiners, libertarians, the the people that don't want to live in these gross areas where you've got people who are absolutely subsidized companies who are subsidized the the environment who which they have destroyed i mean if you you really just naturally look at a city and i think we've just kind of grown up with cities and we kind of accept the fact that there isn't any wildlife really to speak of uh, if there is, you know, it's it's probably got wings and it flies around and people are annoyed by a lot of, you know, what it is. But in terms of wildlife, 
you you city dwellers, you guys have wiped out wildlife. You have a zoo, for God's sakes, with cages and animals in them and everything else that you pretend uh, to hate as these you know environmental justice warriors. The, it is it, it smacks you in the face when you're able to just be like, hey, guys, look, your cities, yeah, I agree with you. They're gross. And at, at the end of the day, you want this world that looks more like of what homesteaders do. The problem is, is I think everybody wants to be, you know, homesteaders until it's time to do homesteading. Homesteading's tough, man. Let me tell you about it. Like yesterday, man, I busted my ass. It's the first day I was feeling, you know, really good again. I had had some, uh, some like lower back hip issues going on where I had to work out some knots. I don't know what I did. Um, but yesterday, man, I was, I was out. I was, I got the, the back food plots, tilled and seeded just in time for a rain today got a lot of stuff bushwhacked i I mean the amount of stuff that me and and my family got done yesterday out here on a beautiful day by the way like i was sore and tired as hell this morning homesteading is a lot of damn work it is it but the thing is at the end of the day it's super rewarding i think there's a lot of people who don't want to do the work and who will live very sheepish lives because they don't know, you know, that, that taste of, of, of mission accomplishment, like, like real purpose, this, this growing something, this building something, creation in general, like, man, we were just, we were meant to create, but we were meant to create in a way that is much more in balance. And I think that's, you know, this, that balance that a lot of people just don't get uh, in in regular life is just extreme this and extreme that. It's, this is you know homesteading isn't extreme. Homesteading and living in smaller communities, living in dispersed populations, is actually very natural to us. Uh, you couldn't have you know the the organizations you had back in the day where you had you know these giant populations inside of a city. I'm not saying you know you got to tear down every city, but I think the people who are the loudest, a lot of them live in cities. And for that, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Back to this article. Uh, these environmental justice strategic plans and assessments will be submitted to the White House Council on Environmental Quality, CEQ, and made public on a regular basis, including through the Environmental Justice Scorecard a new government-wide assessment of federal agencies' efforts to advance environmental justice. Environmental justice is coming hard. It is going to. It is going to be. I think they're maybe one of their last attempts before the fiat dollar absolutely goes for broke. I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I think they're going to tie it to the social credit score. I think they're going to tie it to the CBDCs. And at that point, if you're a bad actor, I think they're going to try to shut you down. I think that's exactly the way this is all going to work out. This doesn't, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but uh, I'm going to tell you right now, this, it's it's all on the wall as they're rolling this out. Uh, Let's see. The White House wrote, the first version of the Environmental Justice Scorecard or the Phase 1 Scorecard presents a baseline assessment of actions taken by federal agencies in 2021 and 2022 to help achieve the Biden-Harris administrative environmental justice goals. The Phase 1 scorecard reports on the progress of 24 agencies in the following areas. Advancing the President's Justice 40 initiative, which 
I'm going to have to go look that up and implementing and enforcing environmental and civil rights laws, embedding environmental justice throughout the federal government. This sounds like the brown shirts to me, ladies and gents, right out of uh, pre-Nazi Germany or right as Nazi Germany was getting stood up. You know, if you don't know, you know, Night of the Long Knives and the brown shirts in all in, in, in that capacity, this is what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a group of people who are given a, a task and power that can literally wipe out and other the people that don't fall in line with the edicts of the administration. Additionally, in the order, it emphasizes strengthening nation-to-nation relationships on issues involving environmental justice. So they want to do this worldwide. Uh, no, no shocker there. This is what the CBDC is all about, environmental justice. Biden also established, establishes a new environmental justice subcommittee within the National Science and Technology Council because, you know, consensus and all that fun stuff that they did during COVID uh, didn't work so well. So now they're going to have a bunch of scientists that they've bought off with, you know, Unicoin and whatever else they've got out there, this other CBDCs to tell you <clears throat> what the consensus of the Science and Technology Council is, led by the Office of Science and Technology Policy. They're going to dictate science and technology as policy. It, five years ago, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't believe this kind of bullshit. Now, after what they've done, yeah, science and technology is going to be policy. And if you are not in line with the policy, with the bureaucrats who are going to make up policies, you might actually be, quote unquote, breaking a, a policy which could have a lot of consequences. And I mean, very, very steep consequences, especially if they deem you are polluting the environment or being negligent enough of their policies that you were a threat to your fellow human being. I don't know if I need to say that again. I think I, I, I may. If they can come up with science and technology policy on the environment, you can be deemed a environmental terrorist to your fellow man if you are not abiding by their policies. This is othering on another level, ladies and gents. This is what they're going to do for CBDCs. I, I mean, this is it. Look at it right here, right now. Science and technology policy in the environmental justice cutting scores are you're, you're, you're toast if you're not on board and you're not doing exactly what they want. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the first things I think they're going to do is they're going to destroy your wealth. They're going to absolutely obliterate your wealth, take any type of cash, the dollar, whatever. I think they're going to take that away from you, first and foremost. And I think they're going to put you in a CBDC. And if you don't have any other way to transact with anybody else on earth that is not controlled by the government, good luck. I guess that's a, that's a bold proposition. Um, let's finish this article up real quick. This subcommittee is tasked with identifying and addressing gaps in science, data, and research related to environmental justice and advancing the analysis of cumulative impacts. The order also expands interagency 
coordination and launches a new Office of Environmental Justice within the White House Council on Environmental Quality. Biden's order raises grave concerns for those who believe that social justice credit scores could be used to force the administration's woke agenda on individuals. Be assured from yours truly that this is absolutely happening and it's happening now. This is an executive order. I cannot tell you absolutely how damning this is. If you just connect the dots, connect the dots. June 5th, we have a debt ceiling uh, dilemma. Janet Yellen has come out and said specifically that she wants to hike the debt ceiling to $50 trillion. $50 trillion. They're going to do this through FedNow, which is going to launch in June and July, which will probably only be uh, a corporate type of rollout to begin with because what do they do with COVID? They, the same thing that they did with COVID where they, they told corporations, you have to do this, and any employee who won't go along with this, just fire them. Get rid of these these undesirable others, these people that are going to put everybody's health at risk. Get rid of them. They're going to do that's exactly how they're going to roll out CBDCs. So what they will do is like if you need services or production or if you own a business, if you're not if you're not rolling with their CBDCs, what are they going to do? They're going to close you down. They they're going to absolutely close you down. This as soon as they get this stood up in terms of the CBDCs and starting to you know push the uh, the, the inflation through fifty trillion dollars, if you're not on board with the science and technology policy, you're going to get othered. And I am absolutely positive. I think this is probably where the violence starts when when they start going after people uh, over science and technology policy. I think this is probably the end of the road for peaceful America. I hate to say it. I, I really do. I, th I think it is absolutely the end of the road. This is why I talk about Bitcoin as much as I do, because this is the out. Um, if you never thought like, you know, this was, you know, happening through history, like, let me tell you something real quick. Like this has happened through history over and over and over again. Um, I will come back after this and... But you know, what I'm going to share with you, this reading from uh, Bitcoin News, this is uh, the article when the U.S. government seized all of its citizens' gold. Do you think they won't seize your, your you know, fiat cash? Think again because it's coming and it's coming hard and fast. Right now, uh, you can have a listen to the... Um, the article that I read earlier today. Let me get it all set up for you here. I'm going to share this guy, and then we're going to go. When the U.S. government seized all citizens' gold from BitcoinNews.com. This article was originally published by Lawrence W. Reed on Fee.org. December 7, 1941, will forever be remembered, as in the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a date that will live in infamy. Another infamous date is April 5, 1933, the day that FDR ordered the seizure of the private gold holdings of the American people. By attacking innocent citizens, he bombed the country's gold standard just as surely as Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. On the 90th anniversary of the seizure, it behooves us to recall the details of it for multiple reasons. It ranks as one of the most notorious abuses of power in a decade 
when there were almost too many to count. It's an example of bad policy imposed on the guiltless by government that created the conditions it used to justify it. And the very fact of the compliance, however minimal, is a scary testimony to how fragile freedom is in the middle of a crisis. Suddenly, on April 5, 1933, FDR told Americans, in the form of Executive Order 6102, that they had less than a month to hand over their gold coins, bullion, and gold certificates, or face up to 10 years in prison, or a fine of $10,000, or both. After May 1st, private ownership and possession of these things would be as illegal as demon rum. After prohibition was repealed later the same year, the sober man with the gold in his pocket was the criminal, while the staggering drunk was no more than a nuisance. Hoarding gold was preventing recovery from the Great Depression, FDR declared. Government, which caused the Depression in the first place, had no choice, if you can follow the logic, but to seize the gold and do the hoarding itself. But of course, the big difference was this. In the hands of the government, huge new gold supplies could be used by the Federal Reserve as the basis for expanding the paper money supply. The president, who had promised a 25% reduction in federal spending during his 1932 campaign, could now double spending in his first term. What evidence suggested Americans were hoarding gold? Roosevelt pointed to a run on the banks that immediately preceded his April 5th seizure decree. Indeed, people were showing up at the teller windows with paper dollars, demanding the gold that the paper notes promised. But Roosevelt had prompted the bank run himself. On March 8th, three days after succeeding Herbert Hoover as the new president, FDR declared the gold standard to be safe. After all, America's gold reserves were the largest in the world. Then, out of the blue, on March 11th, the president issued an executive order preventing banks from making gold payments. The message was clear. In spite of his campaign pledge to protect the integrity of the currency, this was an administration intent on spending and printing like none before. Citizens who wanted to protect their savings and financial assets suddenly had very good reason to find and keep whatever gold they could get their hands on. James Bovard writes in The Great Gold Robbery, Roosevelt was hailed as a visionary, as a savior for his reputation of the government's gold commitment. Citizens who distrusted the government's currency, management, or integrity were branded as social enemies and their gold was seized. And for what? So that the government could betray its promises and capture all the profit itself from devaluation it planned. Shortly after Roosevelt banned private ownership of gold, he announced a devaluation of 59% in the gold value of the dollar. In other words, after Roosevelt seized the citizens' gold, he proclaimed that the gold would henceforth be of much greater value in dollar terms. Dentists, jewelers, and industrial users were allowed to acquire gold to meet their reasonable needs. If you had a gold tooth, the government did not yank it out. But if you possessed more than a hundred in monetary gold coin or notes denominated in the yellow metal, after May 1st, 1933, you were a villainous lawbreaker until private gold ownership was legalized four decades later. With the passage of the Thomas Amendment of the Agricultural Bill on May 12, 1933, 
Vast new presidential powers over money were affirmed by Congress, but even some of FDR's own party still had a conscience. Democratic Senator Carter Glass of Virginia solemnly and honestly lamented, It's dishonor, sir. This great government, strong in gold, is breaking its promise to pay gold to widows and orphans to whom it has sold government bonds with a pledge to pay gold coin of the present standard of value. It is breaking its promise to redeem its paper money in gold coin of the present standard of value. It's dishonor, sir. When FDR followed up in June by abrogating the gold clauses in both private and government contracts, he asked blind Oklahoma Senator Thomas Gore, a fellow Democrat, for his opinion. Gore had lost his eyesight at age 12, but he saw right through FDR on this matter. He famously replied, Why, that's just plain stealing, isn't it, Mr. President? In his book, Economics and the Public Welfare, A Financial and Economic History of the United States, 1914-1946, the great economist Benjamin Anderson recalled Senator Gore's words on the Senate floor. Henry VIII approached total depravity as nearly as the imperfections of human nature would allow, but the vilest thing that Henry ever did was to debase the coin of the realm. Many Americans were cowed by the government threats to do the patriotic thing and turn in their gold as Roosevelt mandated, but true to the rugged individualism and defiance of tyranny ingrained in our culture, FDR's order prompted widespread noncompliance. Best estimates corroborated in this short video and elsewhere suggest that for every $1 in gold that Americans relinquished, they kept three. If the federal government tried today to seize the gold holdings of private American citizens, how much do you think we would turn over? Call me a scofflaw if you want, but it would not get its hands on mine. The executive has always abused power. Always. It, the government has will and has always abused power. Executive orders. I don't know that you've ever read anything in the Constitution about executive orders. If you've studied the Constitution, not that it means a damn thing anymore. Uh, and and I say that, you know, I, I don't mean to put anybody off with that kind of talk. I don't. There are a lot of people who take a lot of umbrage when when people talk about the Constitution as just a document. The thing is, is when what we're looking at in in, in the face of it is, you know, when we see the Constitution has has failed, or people have failed the Constitution. Either way, it didn't work. Um, Lysander Spooner laments on this beautifully. And uh, if you haven't read Lysander Spooner, it was part of my study when I was going through you know, my awakening to everything that's wrong, everything that's been a lie. The point of all of this is executive orders and the government the executive have throughout history abused the common man and will continue to abuse the common man because these people are what we call rent seekers. These people are the people that have to abuse and take by force and coercion from other people so that they can continue to live these extremely luxurious lives uh, of power and control. 
And I think it's coming to an end. And I think it's coming to an end because of Bitcoin. Uh, I say this all the time. And, you know, obviously this article here, uh, it, it demonstrates exactly why, first and foremost, when people ask me, like, not why not gold? Why not silver? You know, those things instead of Bitcoin. <sighs> let's, let's talk about a few use case scenarios. One, because you can be made a criminal for for owning gold. Now, some people might say that the becoming a criminal for using gold is one of those things where they're like, hey, you know what, I'm criminalized so many other times. Okay, great. I understand that. I understand the attitude that, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to be a criminal. That's kind of where we're getting to here in America. The other case for not you know, stocking up on gold, you know, and, and I say this as a homesteader and like, Hey, look, you know, take care of your food, water, energy, take care of all those things. First, take care of your security. First and foremost, take care of all those things. If you have money that's left over in 401ks, if you have money that's left over in IRAs, if you have dollars uh, that are exposed to the market or anything like that, this is, you are who I'm talking to everybody else. If you're not, if you're not looking at the fundamentals of life first, then uh, I'm not telling you go out and buy lots of Bitcoin. Maybe have a little, um, you know, maybe have a little. I'm not saying don't buy it. I'm saying maybe have a little of those, but have the first things knocked out first. When you have those knocked out, the reason I say Bitcoin and not gold is because I think people get killed over gold. I think people get fleeced for gold. I think that if you ever had to flee Gold is going to be one of the first things that's confiscated from you. And I say that knowing history. When you look at people who have fled countries because of war, because of famine, whatever it is, they, a lot of times they're carrying whatever they can on them and they're crossing borders. Now, in this day and age, when you're crossing borders, a lot of times you're met with some sort of border security one way or another. Uh, you can ask the people out in, in Ukraine. Uh, that have fled to places like Poland. When you're fleeing the country that you're fleeing, especially if they are at war, a lot of times when you go through fleeing that country, there's going to be an organization at the border that is looking for possible people, quote unquote, this is what they do, this is, this is military, they're going to look for possible people of interest during that time. And it, it happens like clockwork. During that time where they're looking for people of interest, you will be a person of interest if you have gold. They're going to take your gold. Like don't don't think that those soldiers are 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 angels. They're not. Let me having been a Marine and having seen, you know, damn near every branch of the the military, there's a lot of scoundrels, guys. Like, and I mean, just straight up scoundrels. They'll take your damn stuff. They'll, they'll take your money. They'll take your gold. They'll take whatever they can get, and they'll rob you blind. Hell, I've seen them rob each other blind. Uh, first, one of my first exposures to the army was where I went down to jump school at Fort Benning. And man, if you didn't lock up your shit, your shit was gone, gone. And that was not a civilian doing that. That was that was other soldiers doing that. I'm telling you, there's a lot of a lot of plunder that goes on with those kind of guys. So at the end of the day, what I'm saying is if you get to that border, you're probably going to get fleeced. If you don't get fleeced there, you're going to enter a new country and you're going to get fleeced at that end of it, right? Because if you're coming in possibly as a refugee, if you're coming in through customs and they want to know like, Hey, 
what do you got? What are you doing? Especially as a refugee, they're going to have to take care of. Do you think they're going to think twice about taking your gold? People always talk, you know, and this is and the reason I preface the story is one of the big pushbacks that I always get about Bitcoin is, well, what happens if the power goes out? You're not trading Bitcoin. No, you're not trading Bitcoin if the power goes out. If we get an EMP attack, and this is worst case scenario, um, power comes back on in a couple of days, right? Like if you can't if you can't live a couple of days, see, refer to what I said five minutes ago: security, food, shelter, power. If you can't if you can't get those things first and foremost and survive a few days, ooh man, you're way behind the power curve right now. But take take care of those four things first. Now let's let's say worst case scenario. We we are at war with somebody, I imagine. Um, possibly our own government who puts an EMP at high altitude and explodes it up in the ionosphere. And now America is not only a third world country, but we are a country that has been sent back thousands and thousands of years. Literally thousands of years. Great book. I've, I've recommended it a million times. The, uh, the It's called One Second After. If you haven't read it, it's a good it's a good thing to read. My point is, the electricity is not coming back on soon. It's you're done. Like for for the foreseeable future, decades and decades and decades, the power is not coming back on in America. Everything that has a chip in it is fried. the The entire you know analog power structure that we have now totally fried. What are you gonna do? I think that's the question that a lot of people don't like to wrestle with is what are you going to do? Are you going to stick around? Are you going to tough it out? Are you going to try to be some of the very few people that survive a apocalypse? Because I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the amount of people that die in an apocalypse of an EMP here in this, in, in America is probably going to be 80 plus percent Min- like minimum. It might be closer to 90. So you're going to be some of those 90% that actually survive it or are you going to grab whatever you can and try to make your way to another country? Are you going to try to get to a coast, try to get on a freighter? Are you going to try, if there's any international aid that ever comes to America, to help people flee to somewhere that actually has power? Are you going to be one of those people that gets on a ship, gets on a plane, and flees? If you are, gold is going to be one of those things where you might actually lose it at your border or their border. This is the beautiful thing about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going to be wherever you end up, period. If you if you flee and you get to another country, your Bitcoin's waiting on you. As long as you have your 24 seed words, your Bitcoin's waiting on you. Your wealth, everything that you've you know accumulated monetarily over time is waiting for you. This is why it's so damn important. Right, like this is this is something that I don't think people really understand. In a no kidding survival type of environment, I'm going to tell you right now. You know, if, if EMPs go off, I don't know that I'm staying around. I'm not going to stick around with my family. I'm going to see if there's anybody who's flying in and out with supplies and see if I can't get smuggled out of this country and into another country. Um, and when I get there, I can pay somebody. That's I'm telling you guys. Like if if. Like I, I know this is this is cr- crazy to talk about, but we're li- we're literally living in a time where now you have executive orders for environmental social justice. 
this does not end well. This is not end well at all uh, for some people. And depending on when Americans say enough is enough and they stand up and they fight, well, they're still not going to end well. And it's the thing is, is war is war. Like there is going to be plenty of loss on all sides. And what that entails, boy, it's going to depend on your local area. It's going to depend on your mindset. It's going to depend on your preparedness. It's, everybody loses in a war. It's you know, war only decides. The great saying is, war only decides who's left, not who's right. <sighs> Unless you've got some preparedness going on. So I wanted to address that today. Um, I wanted to kind of show you guys that you know, executive orders, are, more executive orders are coming. Are they going to possibly ban people from Bitcoin? Ban, ban people from gold? Well, they can't ban Bitcoin. They can't even regulate Bitcoin. There's a great. Um, there's a great little video going around um, that, let me see if I can find it real quick on here. I, I think I shared it this morning. Um, I think the crypto couple put it together and it was fantastic. Let me see here. Go to my homepage and see if I can't grab this thing. It's Janet Yellen. Um, yeah, here we go. Janet Yellen is talking. She's uh, in front of Congress again. And this is beautiful. Here we go. The Federal Reserve simply does not have authority to supervise or regulate Bitcoin uh, in any way because there is no central issuer or network operator to regulate. They can't regulate Bitcoin. Janet Yellen is sitting there saying, "You can't. We, how are we going to? We, we can't do it. We have no idea how we can regulate Bitcoin." There's no central operator. It is a decentralized, no rulers, no manipulation. Like, hey, this is consensus. You can either opt in or you don't have to. You can go out there with your fiat money. They don't have the authority to regulate Bitcoin because there is no central issuer and no operator. Go figure. If that doesn't tell you enough, let me tell you this from Hillary Clinton should probably do it for everybody else. I mean, this lady is so unlikable that in 2016 she lost to Donald Trump. So she's still not the president. But listen, One listen to Hillary Clinton. One more area that I hope nation states start paying greater attention to is the rise of cryptocurrency. Because what looks like uh, a very interesting and, and somewhat exotic uh, effort to uh, literally mine uh, new coins in order to trade with them has the potential for undermining uh, currencies, for undermining the uh, uh, role of the dollar as the reserve currency, for destabilizing nations, perhaps starting with small ones, but going much larger. So when we think about this new environment in which we find ourselves that we've been discussing for the last uh, some minutes, um, we can't just think about nation state. One more. Yeah. So Hillary Clinton is sitting there telling you like Bitcoin's going to debase a lot of countries and it's going to domino from small countries to larger companies. She she's absolutely right. Like the nation states and anybody who's in the dollar or anybody who depends on the fiat Federal Reserve notes, those people are in in, in a lot of deep shit right now because people are coming calling people want their wealth people want their money inflation is is absolutely out of control and if you think it's out of control now 
wait until we start getting to $50 trillion in debt. <laughs> Nobody's going to want that stuff. Nobody wants it now. And the BRICS nations are going to push this thing as far as they can uh, fast. It's going to be one hell of a ride, I think, for the next, I don't know, four or five years here, ladies and gents. And I think you should probably really, really consider, like, this is who we're going to war with. One way or another, they're, they're going to war with you. They're going to go to war with you over social credit, just social, environmental, social justice, and credit scores. They're, if you don't understand that you're already at war, maybe I should just do a show on this. You are at war. And I will, I will do an entire show on this. And maybe I'll bring somebody in that's you know uh, near, near and dear to me and, and very, very close to uh, the, the Pentagon on this. Because when you start to see how all of this plays, they are weakening this nation left and right, left and right. And that is, you know, war does not start with a shot. War starts with weakening your adversaries before you ever do anything. Cutting off their supply lines, possibly poisoning them, the you know, taking and, and destroying whatever type of wealth that they have. Man, if they're going to war with a regular citizen, what's the best thing that they could do? They could destroy your wealth overnight with a couple of zeros by by adding trillions of dollars more. Do you think it affects billionaires? Do you think it affects you know multimillionaires? Not really. Does it affect people who make twenty four, twenty five, you know, fifty thousand dollars a year? It wipes them absolutely off the map. Those are the people that they are going to wipe off the map. It's coming. Mark my words. I hate to be a, a downer, but I'm I'm telling you guys, like it's time to really, really get uh, concentrated on what. Is coming. It's time to unify people. It's time to show people, hey, look, there's an escape hatch and we've got it here for you. If you want to learn more about this kind of stuff in your regular life, uh, I'm here for you. Bitcoin Maximalist on RadicalPod.com. It's a tab. You can check it out. It's a concierge. You can learn Bitcoin basics, set up a hot wallet. You can set up your cold wallet through, you know, hands-on training. Like I'm, this is what I'm doing these days. So if I can help you, your family, your business, whatever it is, I'm here for that. Uh, RadicalPod.com, Bitcoin Maximalist. You may see an, a more orange truck driving around town here very shortly. So um, with that being said, you can support the show at Shane Hazel, uh, well, on Cash, Cash App, at Shane Hazel. And that is the only way to support us. We got rid of Patreon and the rest of that kind of crap, so uh, we're not dealing with the fiat madness. But uh, outside of that, uh, I will see you guys in May, down at uh, Perry, Georgia, for the Great Create and the uh, Little Libertarian Conference. And I'm looking forward to all of that stuff. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. I know this was a little bit late. Busy yesterday getting after it. I appreciate your patience. So until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.